This week's episode is brought to you by The Commuter Tour, the greatest week you'll ever spend with the greatest online hosts. That's me and George, just in case you forgot. Go to www.fairygodmothertravel.com, click on special offers, and then The Commuter Tour to receive your no-obligation quote for this once-in-a-lifetime experience. Space is limited, so email today. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. You know, last week we kind of stepped outside our comfort zone and we did an entire episode dedicated to the, the new DAS uh, card that is coming out. And uh, we got some really good responses from people about it. So we we got a lot of great stories, a lot of great comments, and we loved hearing them. So, I mean... Thank you to everyone for for writing in and calling in and telling us your experience with it. Exactly. We know this is a hot-button issue, and and honestly, we have a lot of faith in Disney that they're going to do the very best that they can. Um, We've heard a lot of great stories, very emotional stories from people about their vacations, how wonderful wonderful they've been, and how they're they're a little bit nervous about their next vacation. Um, You know, so we've heard some great things. don't hesitate to email us more. Leave us more comments. We really appreciate and love hearing what everybody uh, says about it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, after the program actually starts and is in play and we know more about it, we'll probably do a follow-up episode and we'll we'll play some of the voicemails we got and read some of the comments. So thank you for participating in the discussion, cadets. We really appreciate it. Um, but on that note, what's, uh, let's get on with the rest of the show. So uh, over the weekend of uh, September 28th, uh, I went to Knott's Scary Farm for the Mice Chat Halloween Haunt event 2013, and this was the first time that I went to Knott's Scary Farm, and I had a lot of fun getting the crap scared out of me um, <laughs> I was say, all night long. Fun. Getting scared. Getting there scared. It was fantastic. So for those of you who have not been there before, and I know some of you have, um, they have mazes. Um, they're called mazes. They're not actually mazes. One, There's only one that's an actual maze, but, you know, they're haunted houses they walk that you walk through. There's different themes for each one. They have um, 11 of them this year, and, you know, I pretty much loved 10 out of the 11 uh, mazes that they had but you know for me growing up in New Jersey I would always go to Fright Fest at Six Flags Great Adventure and I was used to their level of Halloween events and then I went to Not Scary Farm last week and I've been missing out my entire life apparently because this was <laughs> probably one of the greatest events I have ever been to in my entire life so if you're in the Southern California area before I even go on go to Not Scary Farm Anytime. Even if you don't go this year, go next year because it's totally awesome and totally worth it. Um, so, so this was a big mice chat event though, right? Sort of like the first one of the season? Yeah, so, so the there pause? was over 200 people that came to the event, um, which is a lot of people to you know keep around the entire night. So we had dinner um, in, in the uh, 
the chicken restaurant at first and we had some of the designers of some of the mazes come and we there was a brief interview with them and then uh fishbulb led us into the fog quote unquote because there is a <laughs> lot of fog there like ghost town is covered in fog and you literally cannot see in front of you as you're walking so we had lighted swords he was in the front i was in the middle and somebody else was in the back we all had them to try to group together and get through all the mazes and it was called the Death March because it was pretty much we're going to this mage, we're going to this mage, we're going to this mage. Otherwise, we never would have made it through or made it to all the mazes in this in the night. Um, like I said before, each one had its own particular theme, um, and I have to say my favorite one was the first one we went in for the night, which was Black Magic, which is themed to Houdini mm. um, coming back from the other side and. You know, he brings all these other crazy things with him too, and it was just a great way to start the evening. It was my first knots haunt walkthrough, and it was just unbelievable. Um, now, did you guys do all eleven? We, we did every you... maze that was there, at wow. every single maze we went through. Um, by the time I don't know, I would say five or six mazes in, there there, there was one particular maze. Uh, it, it's called Delirium that I walked out of. And I turned to the people I was with and I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> I am legitimately, like, that one really messed me up. Um, I walked out wow. going, I, I, I can't, I, I'm, I might need a few minutes because that one was really messed up and scary. <laughs> but all wow. the mazes were great. Um, Mirror Mirror was an act was the actual maze one. It was a mirror maze, but there was you know monsters in the maze that were trying to help you or deter you. That was fantastic. Um, there was Uncle Willie's Slaughterhouse, uh, which you can imagine what that was. It was a restaurant, but in the back was you know you know Long Pig, the best meat of all is what they serve. Um, wow. Gunslinger's Grave was one set in the the old west. Uh, Trick or Treat was which was my second favorite. Uh, you actually rang the doorbell to get into the maze, and the door would open, and it was a house that the Green Witch lived in, and her tricksters lived there. And it was it was so bizarre, but it was the most visually appealing maze I have ever seen in, in my entire life. Um, that that one was a lot of fun. Um, there was also one called Forevermore that was based on a a murderer in present times that bases bases all his victims on Edgar Allan Poe, um, huh. which it was cool. It was not as cool as I hoped it would have been. That that was kind of the ones I was iffy on, but it was still a good time. Um, Pinocchio on Strong, which was about an evil Pinocchio, that was pretty great too. Kind of a Disney connection wow. there, but not really. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was also one that was an upcharge. It was called Trapped, and you had you can went in six people at a time. You had to pay an extra ten or sixty dollars. So it was ten dollars a person, and each room was a puzzle. So each room you had to figure out how to get out of and into the next room. And wow. um, for me, it was real. It wasn't frightening per se, but it, it was a lot of logic stuff, and it made you do things. I don't want to get into specifics in case people want to do this, but it made you do things that are outside of your comfort zone in a lot of ways, and. I had to do things that were outside of my comfort zone, and I, I walked out of that one too going, I don't know how I survived that, because it was just one thing after another, like, you have to do this, you have to do this, once you figure it out, and it was just um, Does that, does that, that, uh, that was called Trapped, right? Yeah, that was called Trap the New Experiment. Now, uh, I know you went with um, Fishbulb and Dusty Sage from Mice Chat, and yes. Colby! Yes, Colby um. was also in our group, and also... Uh, <laughs> Doug Barnes from uh, Season Pass and the Mice Chat Podcast, and uh, it, it was just... Well, what, what, and, what, and our friend Jeremy went also, too, who's also a, a listener, a cadet, a fan of the show. 
did they but did they say how this compared maybe to other haunts because i know that fishbulb is pretty much a haunt expert he is he is a haunt expert uh he's actually as i'm recording this i know he's at a haunt thing right now um <laughs> you know last year was the 40th anniversary of the knott's Berry farm haunt and you know for the when we had a discussion later on that night, for the most part, he had nothing but good things to say about all the mazes. Um, there, there was one that he didn't like um, per se, and he thought Trapped last year was better than uh, it was this year. But for me, as a first timer coming into this, I was totally blown away. And you know, I want to go back. I want to go through these mazes again, even though it scared me. I want to go back and experience these things because I, I had so much fun doing it. And I really think you should come out next Halloween time and do this with me because I think you'd have a blast, <laughs> George. I'll cry like a baby. So well, that's kind of my it, plan. So yeah, that's why I figured it wasn't, and then put it on Facebook. So there were eleven things. Do you really think should people attempt to do all eleven at one night, or should they split it up and try to go over a couple different weekends? If you do not buy, we had the Frightlane pass. It was part of the package, which meant we went ah. to the front of the line. If you do not have the Frightlane pass, you are not going to do all eleven in one oh, night. Oh, so you, you need to pick and choose. You're going to have to wait in line for you know an hour or two hours for some of these mazes because they are so popular. So if you're going to go to me it's worth it to spend the extra money to get the front the fright line pass to get to the front of the line so you can actually experience all these things and that way you can also see the shows uh the hanging um elvira's cinema seance was also there um, wow seeing elvira was wonderful uh in person <laughs> i will just say that she still she still has it i will ha- she I still have to has say it. that she still got it okay um so if if people you know want your opinion before they go they should just maybe email you uh, yeah, absolutely. Or hit you I think, up on a social media and you can advise them which one you enjoyed. And- email me at the Kubina Crew Weekly uh, email address or hit me up okay. on Twitter and, I'll, and I'll, I'll be more than happy to tell you more about my experiences. But seriously, go. So much fun. Totally worth it. Do it up, guys. He's a nerd. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. So, Jeff, I know you don't like to discuss personal things during the show, but just want to know, are you wearing your lederhosen? I am always wearing them at all times. Good, good. And I know you're wondering why, but we're going to try to do some Disney mountain climbing this week. Ooh, I like mountain climbing. Yes, exactly. So I I don't don't climb mountains, guys. I'm lying. I know. I I can just see you scaling uh, Matterhorn right now. So let's try it. Well, anyway, so this this week's book (laughs) is... I know. Where'd that go? This week's book is The Disney Mountains, Imagineering at Its Peak by Jason Sorrell. Uh, It was first published in 2007, September 2007, and it's got 128 pages. And Jason Sorrell should be a familiar name to most cadets. He wrote the Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean books, the ones that uh, are the... uh, from the Magic Kingdom to the movies, and he's an Imagineer based in Florida and is considered one of the rising stars of the new generation of Imagineers. Ooh, so he's a rising star. Anyway, and uh, this book is one of my favorites. And I know the cadets, you guys have heard this so often, but really it's true. Uh, basically, Jason looks at all of the Disney mountains, their history, how they transform Disney parks and theme parks worldwide, and their story within the company itself. So, okay, the first mountain is Matterhorn Mountain at Disneyland. And Jason spends a lot of time on this section, and with good reason. You know, the Matterhorn was the first in so many areas. We, we learn about the initial spark for the mountain, how it was built, and the changes throughout the year that the, mount, mountains, the Matterhorn's gone through. Uh, through each section, we're introduced to the different Disney legends and Imagineers that made these mountains real. 
uh, each section is full of concept art, drawings, and really stellar paintings. Some of my favorite uh, of the paintings are the ones from the different Splash Mountains all over the world. Jason did interview a lot of the Imagineers, and the stories shared are really wonderful. And there's not really another resource that looks at the Disney Mountains in such an in-depth manner. Okay, so you might be wondering what mountains are actually covered here. So we've got Matterhorn, Space Mountain, both of them, actually all three of them, uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, Typhoon Lagoon, uh, Blizzard Beach, Mount Gushmore, and Mount Mayday for those, uh, Splash Mountain, Grizzly Peak, Mount Prometheus, and Expedition Everest. And there's even a few pages dedicated to Candy Mountain, which has recently been shown at Disney California Adventure. It, it really is a great title, and it's one that I'd like to see Disney or another publisher do more of. And maybe we'll see another edition in the next couple of years as Disney potentially could bring in some more mountains, maybe even one in Hong Kong. Uh, I think that's my only issue with the book is it's just not long enough. But then again, I pretty much say that about every Disney book that I read. You know, they need to go on and on and on. So, and, and you know, Jason really is a natural storyteller. And he highlights uh, a lot of the anecdotes from the Imagineers that really show how special the Disney mountains are themselves. And that's what makes this book so entertaining. Not only are you learning Disney history, but you're joining yourself too. Just like listening to Communicore Weekly. Well done, sir. Well yeah, done. That. I add in as best we can. So this one is called, it's by Jason Strauch, but it's called The Disney Mountains Imagineering at Its Peak. What we liked, what we didn't like, yays in the booze, 60 second review. So for this week's 60 second review, we are looking at the Blu-ray release of The Little Mermaid. Well, before you go on, oh, be yeah. let me just mention that we're actually doing our regular 60 second review, not the actual yes, yes, 60 yes. second review, because we think this warrants more than 60 seconds apiece. Yeah, yeah, and, and and there's a little bit of a shock value. Forty-five the seconds, other 60 second, where we yeah, where we start panicking. Thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do that this week. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, no, but this you know this is of course the the first time on Blu-ray and the first time we've seen a release of the Little Mermaid in a long time, and you know I have to say this is one of my all-time favorite films. Sort of brought me back into the Disney loop after being away for a few years when it was released and seen on home video and. Love it. Love the music. Love the characters. You know, I know the story's got problems. I know some issues with it, but, you know, forced the, my nine-year-old son to watch it. He's like, that's a girl's movie. And afterwards, he's like, that movie was awesome. I was like, I told you. I told you. So, love it. Absolutely love it. And, yeah. and I'm assuming you like it too, right, Jeff? Well, I, you know, I enjoyed the movie a lot. I remember seeing it when I was a kid. I, I loved every minute of it watching it again especially on blu-ray the only words i have for it pretty much are wow because yeah you know i hadn't watched it in a couple of years and i forgot how good it was like i know I, the truncated version of the story that we see in the 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 dark right oh. now that's what i you yeah. know i'm kind of used to now but actually sitting down and watching the movie and then seeing it on blu-ray just overall the movie's fantastic it looks wonderful on blu-ray it sounds wonderful with with the the new sound mix and wow again that's what i have yeah. to say about it wow the the, the orchestral score which you know uh, I, we talked about this a, little, a while ago when we reviewed uh, some of the studio ghibli films like uh, my neighbor totoro it felt like we're watching a new 
movie because there were parts I'd never heard before. And the, this, the background score by Mencken shined in this film. Yeah, um, as absolutely. did the as did the yeah the regular songs by Ashman and Mencken were just you know of course you know ingrained into my soul. Absolutely love them. So Absolutely that alone them. to me, I think, is makes this disc worth picking up for anybody. But on yeah. top of that, you know, unlike some of the other re-releases we've seen lately, this one has a whole bunch of new special features on the disc, <laughs> which I absolutely love. I love when there's new special features. I mean, it's a, it's a little less than 45 minutes overall of new special features, but still, I mean, they include all the old ones, of course, you know, the stuff that we're used yeah. to from the DVD, but... There's new stuff. There's one on Disney Animation that I remember, you, George, you watched yeah. it and, like, you texted me immediately afterward. Yeah, I was like, this is finally, we have a fantastic, you know, bonus feature that wasn't reused. And and basically, not to give anything away with that feature, but it looks at a lot of the current animators who got their start because of The Little Mermaid. You know, that's the, the rebirth of, you know, Disney's second golden age of animation, which I was really just, I was like, it was so well put together, such a good story. It, the only and downside the, to that feature was that it was too short. Yes, yeah. I would have watched a short. movie just like that, like a full-length movie just like that. Just for that. And, you know, uh, they, they did um, Howard Ashman's lecture, which was a nice, you know, that to was see Howard wonderful. talk about, yeah, uh, musicals and the importance and, and different songs and how you, you still have a formula, but how important... Uh, large-scale musical productions are to a Disney film. Yes, absolutely. Like Broadway. Absolutely amazing. And the, the the only one I didn't quite get, and I had to go, was like, what in the world is they had Carly Rae Jepsen do Part of Your World. Yeah, I didn't really understand that either. I didn't know who she was at first until a few people said, you know, we'll call me maybe. And I was like, oh! But they don't have phones under the sea. I don't understand why uh, yeah, she's yeah. calling you. Anyway, that's like yeah. granted, but that really they have Krabioki <laughs> sing along though, so yes, that totally was, made up for Carly Rae Jepsen being on the disc. Um, I still cannot sing all the words that are under the sea. I can, but that's you know, probably from listening to the, Suburban Legends yeah. uh, cover over and over again. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good point. A good I point. you know, and again, I also like that they had the other older special features on it, like the. They they still have that that ride the the ride through of the ride that there was going That's to be true. before um, this ride was made. Um, still think that one would have been a little bit better, but uh, it's it's cool to yeah. have this on on the disc um, and all the other um, deleted scenes and audio commentaries from from the original disc are on there too. But which overall, is nice because sometimes it's been hit or miss when they brought back the DVD features. Yeah, but these this had a strong DVD features to begin with, so it worked out yes, really well yes. for it. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And, you know, it sort of makes me, you know, go back to the Little Mermaid ride or Under the Sea, uh, you know, which it's, it's a fun ride. As we mentioned, it's a good D ticket or C or D ticket attraction. But the, it's still such a disjointed story, even uh, for the ride. Yeah. You know, and I think seeing the Blu-ray again after so many years of not watching the film, I was like, yeah, it's still got a good story. It's still fun, wonderful music, wonderful comedic uh, parts with... Um, with Chef Louis, is it Louis? Uh, you know, Le Les Poissons, Poisson, Les Poissons. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, such such fantastic parts. So, okay, I think we've run this into a few minutes yeah. with, uh, <laughs> with the review. I'm going to give this an A plus plus. Yes, yes, it's a fantastic transfer. Looks good, sounds wonderful. The magic is still there for this film, almost even after almost 25 years. So basically, we're saying, stop what you're doing and go buy this right now. And then come back and listen. And then come back and listen. 
Yeah, but, because there's something special we're doing at the end of the show. Yeah, so you better be around for it. Yeah, I mean, I know we're not, Jeff, but that way they'll listen. Hey, right? We fooled them. Ha ha. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them. Don't tell them. So. Sometimes you might see it. Sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, on the floor of the fire department is a large wooden circle, and it's actually a turntable that was used before the department got a motorized fire engine. So when they still used horses, you know, back in the day, the engine would have to be pulled into the station, and then the horses would be unhitched, and then the engine was turned around on the turntable so it would be facing the right way for the next emergency. So very clever of those firefighters and very clever of those Disney Imagineers who put it into the Magic Kingdom. Exactly, because I'm wondering what year did they switch from horses to the motorized fire engine at the Magic Kingdom? Hmm. I don't know. That sounds mm. like a question for Bob Gurr. We'll we'll have to ask him that one. <laughs> well, boys, I, can... <laughs> I was like, I can I can hear the beginning of the story right now. Yes. Right now with that, so we'll bring him on for that one. I'm sure, and it'll tell us some other incredibly amazing story. As per usual. That's what he does. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> well, we've made it to the end of another episode. We'd like to thank you guys so much for listening to us or absorbing us somehow. However, you ingest Communicore Weekly, thank you so much. Yes, thank you, thank you. And after you're done ingesting us, which sounds kind of gross now that I think about it, but when you're <laughs> when you're done. Please leave us a comment or rate us on iTunes because we love reading the comments and the emails and, and everything on iTunes as well. Exactly. And don't forget to email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com with any questions or concerns. If you want to tell us uh, some uh, more of your thoughts on the new uh, disability uh, system. Boy, that wasn't right. Disability system? No. no. The DAS. They're calling DAS it. That's called, yes. <laughs> uh, you, we're more than happy to hear what you got to say on it so email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com yes and be sure to like us on facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly yep and you can follow us on a couple social media spots both of us are on twitter and instagram with the exact same logins which is pretty exciting your usernames i'm at imagine nerding and he's at jeff heimbach and you can also call us on the Communicor Weekly Hotline at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-4628. Yes. And, and, and remember, that's how you can get a Communicor Cadet button. Leave us a voicemail. Leave us a voicemail. We use it on our show. We will send you a button. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for Jeff Heimbuck, I am George Taylor. And for George Taylor... I'm Jeff Heimbach. And if you made it this far, we don't have a secret ending. I'm sorry. We lied to you before. (laughs) Regardless, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. 